Um, I'm just playing, John. You know, you know I love you, John. Um, but seriously, I'll be filling in uh, for John while he's away. Uh, so should you guys remember me during the week, um, your prayers is definitely appreciated as I prep for next week's sermon as well. So here at New Song, we're slowly wrapping up our series on Advent. Um, see, now we've all heard this word, but not many of us know what that means, right? The word Advent means coming or arrival of something or someone. The advent of Christ is the coming of Jesus about 2,000 years ago. And we're taking the season to remember Christ's uh, coming to earth. So we've been thinking deeply and walking through the different titles of Jesus. And some of the titles that we've covered thus far are Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and Jesus, the Mighty God. And today, we'll be thinking deeply about Jesus, the Cornerstone on which we build our lives. So before we jump into the sermon, I wanted to start by using an illustration. Now, this may not be the best illustration, but I'm, I'm hoping that God uses it to uh, connect how Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. So how many of us uh, know the story of the three little pigs? Right, you can raise your hand. Yeah, pretty familiar. Oh, right on, man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a pretty familiar story, but if you don't know the story, we got three pigs and a big bad wolf. Now this wolf is going around terrorizing these pigs, so what these pigs do is they set up houses to defend themselves, right? So the first pig builds his house with straw, the second pig builds his house with uh, sticks, and the third pig builds his house with stone or with rock. So the wolf goes up to the first pig, the pig's house, knocks on the door, little pig, little pig, let me in. If you guys don't know, that's a reference to The Walking Dead. Sunday night, 7 p.m. on AMC, if you guys want to check it out. Anyway, um, so he goes up to the door, he knocks on the door, and then how does a little pig answer? There you go, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. So how does the wolf reply? I'm gonna huff. I'm going to puff. I'm going to blow your house down. So the wolf huffs, and he puffs, and the house comes tumbling down. Goes up to the second pig's house. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. So I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow your house down. So he huffs, and he puffs, and the house comes crumbling and tumbling down. Goes up to the third pig's house. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin, the pig replies. He huffs, he puffs, but this house doesn't go down. Why? Why doesn't this house go down? For two reasons, exactly. One, he built his house with stone. But if you know anything about uh, masonry or construction, in order to build a sturdy house, you need a solid foundation. You need a solid foundation. Because if you don't, when the storms beat against that house, that house is going to fall. See, we all build our lives on something. All of us. Whether we know it or not. And we do, we do this by putting our hope, our trust, and our security in that thing. But if we build our lives on the right foundation, when we're tested, we won't crumble. See, of course, we're all going to go through hardships. We're going to struggle because no one is exempt from hardship or struggle, right? 
But if the foundation of our lives are built on the right person, we won't fall. And this is what we're going to think about today. Jesus, the cornerstone on which we build our lives. Rather, the setting stone on which we build our lives. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll jump into the text. Excuse me. Father, it's your word that goes out of your mouth, does not return void. So our prayer is that you would accomplish what you desire in the hearts and the minds of those who are hearing your word. Pray that you would open our perceptions to see you, to know you, to love you. Pray that you would grant understanding of your scripture, conviction and direction through your spirit. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your law. We pray these things in your holy son's name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 28. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. Uh, The text is going to be on the screen. So before we get into the text, I just want to share a little bit of background, just a little bit. So right now what's going on is the, uh, the kingdom of Israel is divided into two areas. We've got the northern kingdom and we have the southern kingdom. And in Isaiah 28, God ends up warning both groups of people, or he kind of ends up rebuking them. So the first warning was to the north. And this took place in verses 1 to 13. See, these people were rebuked or warned for their pride. They were drunkards. They had a false sense of confidence in people. They weren't the brightest people, so God called them stupid. Um, And then they didn't, part of it is because they didn't listen to instruction, which was another thing that God warned them and rebuked them about. Then there's a shift. In verse 14, there's a shift, and the warning turns from the north to the south, to the people of Judah. So the people of Judah, see, they had a false sense of security as well. But they thought that they wouldn't be punished like the north for trusting in other nations. And this is where we're going to pick it up in verse 14. Verse 14, it reads like this. It says, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death in Sheol. We have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. So what's going on in this text? Prior to this, um, Judah were being, they, they were being attacked by different, different nations. They were frightened, and they were kind of freaked out. So what they ended up doing is seeking help in Egypt, instead of turning to the Lord their God. Now at the time, Egypt was a big dog. They were powerful. They were impressive. They were the strong nation. And Judah turned to Egypt rather than turning to the Lord. So what God is doing through this text is he's exposing their false refuge, their false hopes, and their false securities by confiding and trusting in Egypt. Verse 15, it says this, Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol. We have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through it, it will not come to us. So what's going on right here, right? What God is doing is he's telling them that by making this covenant, what you did, what you really did, was make a covenant with death and with destruction. 
See, their false sense of security in Egypt, it was going to destroy them. And Egypt is not a true sense of security. Picking it back up, I think it's in 6, uh, 15b, it says, for, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. So what's going on right here? God is now telling them that we were build, they were building their hope in was a lie. Sorry, my son's kind of throwing me off. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so what God is now telling them was that what they were building their hope in was a lie. It's a lie. They had a false sense of confidence in Egypt who could not save them. They couldn't save them. And what's crazy about this is we're just like Judah, aren't we? We end up finding our own sense of security and rest in things that will not bring true rest, true refuge, and true security. So this brings me to a question that I want to ask us. What do we, rather what do you, what do we, what, what, are, you build, what are you building your life on right now? What are the things that you're building your life on that, that you find rest and peace and security? Because as we look at the people of Judah and see how they had a false sense of security in Egypt, God may be wanting to expose the areas in our lives in which we're building false securities. I'm going to share a couple of things that I think we all may have or possibly have built our lives on. Um, in no way is this an exhaustive list, but these are some things that we all struggle with, right? So number one is money, right? We structure our lives about, uh, around what we can attain financially. We get two jobs, three jobs, we got side hustles, and we try to make money because it gives us a true sense of security and rest. And of course, it's not a bad thing. Being affluent, being wealthy, it's a gift from God, and it's a beautiful thing. But it's dangerous if that's where we're finding our rest and our security. Maybe it's family. We structure and plan our lives around our families, making sure everything is copacetic, everything is good. We'll set up situations in our families so there's no conflict, no strife. But family is not something we should build our lives on. Maybe we build our lives on our occupation, right? Our identity is wrapped up in this, and we think to ourselves, because I do this, I'm good. I don't have to worry. I can rest assured. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe we don't want to feel alone. So we structure and plan our lives around people just so that we don't feel lonely. Maybe it's the opposite. We have a, a BFF, best friends forever. That, is that right? Is that right? All right, okay, I'm just checking, I'm just checking. I'm not into this new lingo stuff, but a BFF or our significant other, our spouse, you know, maybe we think to ourselves, because I have this person, I can rest assured. My foundation is secure. We can have a false sense of security in that. Could be storing up possessions, you know, getting the next new thing, the newest iPhone, newest exhaust for your car, some rims, some tires. Sorry, sorry, if you guys don't know me, I'm, uh, I'm into cars, so you guys know that's a reference to myself. But what happens, right? What happens 
when situations beat against the foundations that we have set up? What happens? We become frantic, frenzied. We become dismayed or distraught. Why? Because we as humans, we have a a way of finding rest and security. But God has a better way of finding rest and security. And we'll see this in verse 16. It should be on the board. It says this. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am the one who has laid, listen to that, laid, past tense, as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and whoever believes will not be in haste. Now, what a beautiful text, right? What's going on? Judah was building their rest and their security in something that wasn't sure. And when God says, even though you're building your life this way, I have something better for you. I'll give you a better foundation on which to build your security and your rest. And in the midst of their rebellion, God graces them with something better. And God does this with us, right? Even when we build our lives on false hopes or false securities, God gives us a better foundation on which we can build our lives. And if we rest on the cornerstone that he gives us, he says we will not be in haste. What does that mean? That means we won't be frantic. We won't be frenzied. We won't be tripping out when situations beat against this foundation. Why? Because God brings true security and a true foundation. How? How does he do this? He does this because God himself is that true foundation. See, he is immovable. He's unshakable. And he is secure. He is the proven, tried, and tested stone. And he has been found to be faithful every time so we can rest on him. So what God is saying is this. The thing that you're building your life on, it doesn't work. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. I'll give you a better way to build your life. And the foundations that we're building on, the things that we're counting on to give us rest, security, hope, it can't sustain the weight that we're putting on it. It was never um, meant to sustain that weight. It's going to crumble and fall when situations beat against that foundation. But there is one, there's someone who can sustain that weight. And the text that we just read, that's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, it connects the dots for us. Let's pick it up in 1 Peter 2. It it says this. uh, Verse 4, it says this. As you come to, what? As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. For you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. See, this text directly leads us to Jesus being the cornerstone on which we build our lives. And it says this, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
Another translation says it a little differently, and I actually kind of like the way it says. It says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. So in other words, true faith in Jesus brings a stabilizing effect in the child of God. Faith in Christ is the anchor for our souls. And no matter what a Christian goes through, we can bank that it is for our good and that we're standing with God. So how does this apply to our lives, right? Because this is a good concept. We build our lives on the rock, on the cornerstone of Christ. But how do we actually do this? So the first way to apply this is for people who, don't, who may not know Jesus personally. Or maybe someone even... Uh, who may even think or believe that they know Jesus but doesn't really know him. See, when someone knows Jesus, there's a change. There's a change internally that manifests itself externally. Meaning God, he changes us from the inside out. We begin to be affectionate for Jesus and we, wanna, and we desire to know him and be more like him. And in order to build your life on the cornerstone, you need to know the cornerstone. So if you don't know him, I'd like to give you an opportunity today to know him. See, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that we don't earn our way into God's favor. We don't. Christ did it all for us. We are accepted because of Jesus' sacrifice. See, everything starts with God. God is the creator of all things. He is perfectly holy, worthy of worship, and he has to punish sin. He has to. And we as humans, we fell short. We have become sinful by nature and by birth, and we are subject to God's wrath. What does this mean? That means our sins deserve punishment. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, he lived a sinless life and died on a cross to bear God's wrath. He rose from the grave in order to give his people new and eternal life. This is why... Jesus is the cornerstone on which we build our lives. See, now God calls everyone everywhere to repent and turn to him. So if you don't know him, I just invite you to know him today by turning to him. Second way we can apply this um, are for people who know him, who have a relationship with Christ and, and, and know him as their Lord and Savior. See, maybe we've been building our lives on false securities, family, money, relationships, people, things. Maybe we've been feeling anxious when the storms of life beat against it. Maybe we've been feeling distraught. Maybe we're broken about things. What we can do today is repent of these things and return to making Jesus the foundation on which we build our lives. I encourage, encourage us myself included, to get alone with Jesus and allow your affections and your trust in him to grow all over again. Leave your phones. Leave the electronics. Leave that TV off. Sit in solitude. Sit in his presence. Read his word and pray. Maybe you can spend some time in private worship. Remember and reflect on the depths of his love. And let your affections grow for Jesus. See, what we think about or what we consume our lives with is what we'll care about. And what we care about is what we're going to chase. So if we consume our lives with knowing him, the more we'll love him, the more we'll pursue him. 
Matthew 7, last text, it says this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Rain fell, floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. So it's not just about hearing these words. It's actually doing something about it. I encourage you that, that we can only do something about it with the grace and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, cry out to him. Ask him, God, help me. I want to build my life on the rock. I want to know you. I want to be like you. I don't want my foundation to be fragile and frail. Help me to know you more. So I'm just going to go ahead and close with uh, lyrics to a, to a powerful hymn that sums up this text, or this, this, this sermon. The, the song is Christ the Solid Rock. It goes like this. My hope is built on nothing less. Sorry. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness. Sorry, guys. Uh, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that um, we build our lives on, on temporary things that are not sure. And what we pray, God, is that you would help us to build on the cornerstone of our lives, which is Christ. On Christ the solid rock, we want to stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So we pray that you would give us the strength, maybe even right after this, to get alone with you. Maybe to repent of things that we have build, been building our lives on and around and, and structuring situations on in, in order to feel safe and secure. But Father, we pray that you would help our feet to be planted on Christ the, Christ the cornerstone, Christ the rock. Father, we praise you that you would send your son in order to be this true cornerstone on which we can stand. Praise you for loving people like us. We don't deserve it. In the midst of our rebellion, you still give us a better way. And um, we pray that you would help us to trust you and seek you to rely on you for this better way. Give us strength because we are weak. Give us the, the, the desires because our di desires are not are always of you. Lead us. Lead us to the cornerstone. Pray these things in 
Jesus' mighty and holy name.